Crushton is the author of Video Game Play and Addiction, a guide for parents, which helps parents navigate the benefits and potential detriments of video games and virtual spaces. Dr. Dini is a psychiatrist with a diverse array of interests, trained and practicing in the Chicago area. He maintains a blog titled Musings on Mind, Music, and Technology, where he discusses his thoughts on multiple forms of media, technology, and artistry, and how they interweave. Dr. Dini comes at video games with a positive focus in mind, himself a gamer during much of his life. He joins us today. Dr. Dini, welcome to Flip Switch. Thanks for having me, Chris. No problem. So we talk a lot about mood disorders and specifically with respect to bipolar disorder. And one of the, the main things that keeps coming up with is compulsive behaviors. And I think one study of bipolar said that over their lifetimes, over half have a chance to become addicted to some kind of substance. You specifically have been studying video game addiction. Is video game addiction similar to alcohol and substance abuse? Well, you know, the thing is, is if we look at the word addiction, we have to address that first. Because what makes an addiction? Society's kind of drawn a line saying these things are addictive and these things are not. And then we ask if one is on one or the other, where the problem actually lies in the very definition of addiction itself. So, you know, a person can be addicted to running. You know, they could be addicted to food. They could be addicted to sex. They could be addicted to any number of things. But also, many of these sorts of things can have very positive things. You know, food is good for you. Exercise is good for you. It, it really depends on how one uses it. So in that sense, it's addictive just like anything else would be. What makes it, it such a phenomenon that it made you interested in studying it? Well, I very much enjoyed them, actually, throughout my life. And, you know, at times, especially when I'd be studying a lot, working a lot, doing, uh, especially going through residency and med school and this sort of stuff, I had to actually decide and think about, okay, am I wasting my time here with this game or should I be doing X, Y, or Z or this? And eventually I realized there were actually a lot of positives to playing games too. So it's, it's not an easy answer for anybody as to whether or not it's helpful or not. It, it's, it's like jogging again. You know, if you're doing it too much, there's, there's some good stuff you're getting out of it. Or if you're doing it just enough, that's, you know, probably, you're probably getting quite, an, uh, quite a lot of good stuff. So actually come at it from the other angle. It's not like video games are bad so much as it's how one uses them that could go one way or the other. Is there any research on the prevalence of how much it's a problem for when it does become a problem? I think the way to look at it is more for the individual. There's several things that you can look at that you have to start asking, is this a problem? Because you can look at the research and somebody will say 10% are addicted, 15%, 5%, and they all have these different sort of criteria and they take this big average. It really doesn't speak to the individual as well as, uh, as, well as I'd like at least. So the way to, I think, answer that best is there's maybe about four or five different sort of things to look at. You know, if, if things in your social life are changing, if you're losing friends, if your friends are shifting in one way or the other, loved ones, if your uh, work life or your education is starting to suffer, you know, grades are starting to drop. If your eating habits or sleeping habits are starting to change, you know, I, you know, let me just play one more level. And, you know, before you know it, it's 2 a.m. Whereas, and you have an exam the next day at 8. Or your change in general mood. Sometimes if somebody's playing a lot of games and just getting into it to the point that other things are felt as distractions and important things are felt as distractions. And, and kind of get more irritable, get more more unhappy. And finally, just uh, you know, other hobbies and other goals in life, if those start to shift and change, then you ought to start being more concerned. 
has there been a trend for this to become a bigger problem as, say, video game systems have gotten more sophisticated and more money has gone into development of gaming and kind of almost, to some extent, a lot of the same exact things they use at casinos to some extent to create an environment. You know, as, as to whether or not it's becoming increasingly a uh, concern as things become more, uh, quote, realistic or more honed in on those sorts of gambling techniques, if you want to call it that, you know, I think it's, it's very difficult to say. I think w- what a person needs to realize when it comes to a game is that they're actually in a state of learning. They're in a state of playing. And if you get to a point where you recognize the game mechanics, generally the game becomes boring at that point. The difference between a game in that sense, uh, a game of gambling game versus most of the video games out there, is that at some point you tend to finish it. The difference being that those who have problems, they will start to use it for other means. So it's more about a person's development, whether it's in terms of developing friendships, developing themselves in their communities, or uh, learning to become independent, that video games can start becoming a problem. And those are issues that have been around since time immemorial. It's, that's not going to change whether or not video games are more or less technological. It's always been kind of known for quite a while that there's a big gender divide when it comes to video games. Uh, I've spoken to a lot of people who have some um, very disordered kind of... Uh, kids or or they are themselves dealing with certain issues but because uh either their children are are are, uh, girls or they themselves are a girl uh they that part of it seems to have skipped uh whereas the other side often that's like well we've got boys we gotta gotta do something now and um you hear a lot more about the kind of seven hour benders of playing grand theft auto i guess or something like that is that gender divide kind of lessening or widening or staying constant? If that gap has just always remained constant or if it's, there's any sign that it might be lessening as we move forward? Actually, it's, it's not quite true. It's actually closer to 50% than you would think. Although I, you know, even when I think about it, it doesn't seem that way, especially as I grew up with video games. And I would almost never meet a girl who had played video games, especially when I was younger. But looking at the stats nowadays, it's actually uh, closer to 50% that guys and girls are playing. I think it's different in terms of the types of games that are being played, but the actual numbers of people are 50%. I think Hmm. I have met a number of women who do play for long stretches of time, too. And how they're playing, is it problematic versus is it, it it again, comes down to the individual and, and what it means for them. Are there any groups that may be at more at risk for this to become a problem? Well, I think there's four main areas that video games, when it does become a problem, that it touches upon these sorts of areas if, if somebody hasn't quite developed them. A person's identity, especially teenagers, are trying to figure out who they are. It's a very hard question. It's very uh, easy to kind of poke at it and say, oh yeah, teens just trying to figure out what they want to do. It's a difficult task to do. And video games can present a ready-made sort of role or a place where a person can differentiate themselves. So somebody gets to be extremely good at a massively multiplayer game as a warrior or as a healer or something, tends to start feeling like, you know what, it, it touches that part of the self, that part of saying, I can be something. 
And so then if somebody starts devoting too much time to that and then not developing that same sense of developing their self outside of the game, that can be a bit of a problem. Another thing is, another uh, branch would be what I call mastery. I think mastery is one of these things that are pretty fundamental to being a person. We tend to want to master things, whatever it is. We want to learn things and get good at them. And uh, if we don't have places to do that outside of a game, you know, if we don't feel like we have a place where we can enjoy ourselves in that process and play, in a sense, to get to through that uh, process, uh, that can be problematic. You know, somebody who does well in school, for example, somebody who does well with academics, gets A's and B's, has somewhere along the line developed a way to enjoy the process of learning. If they don't, it can be very difficult, but, or they can just spend hours upon hours upon hours. But those who are good at it and don't spend their entire evenings on it really have found a way to enjoy it and master that process. And the same sort of thing, if they have not found that in grades or in friendships or otherwise, they might try to find that in games, and if they do that exclusively there, that can be a, a bit of a problem. The third would be community. You know, if a person doesn't feel like they have friendships, if they don't feel like they are developing the friendships that they want, they don't have the opportunity to do so, or for whatever reason, you might want to find a, you know, a community online. And the thing is about a lot of these games, too, is that the community you can find is very different than the community you would ever find in school. You, know, you get somebody who's in their 40s, somebody's in their 60s, somebody who's in their teens, somebody who's a nurse, somebody who's an accountant, all these sorts of roles and ages and all that grouped together to take on one single goal. You know, that you'll never find that elsewhere. And there's some very interesting aspect to that experience. So if somebody does that exclusively again, though, if somebody's right. seeking a community within the game, but not outside of the game, that can be a problem. And the final bit is control. That can mean any number of things, though. Somebody who doesn't have control over their lives, somebody who feels like their school is horrible, somebody who feels like they can't do the things they want to do, who doesn't feel like they can organize themselves, and whose, whose emotional sense of self is not under control. It's nice to have a place that feels consistent. And if the video game provides that, I can, you know, a person might gravitate towards that. So that can be, uh, as with any of these, more indicative of a problem than having the video game be the problem itself. You mentioned, basically, there's, there is this kind of new phenomenon, I would say, in the last five years where games, um, certainly MMORPGs, these online community games, have been around for about 10 years. But... Uh, especially with your kind of gaming consoles, have all started moving towards, you know, online content where you have to interact with other people. Is there any kind of sense of ha what kind of effect that's having on just the whole, I guess, shebang, so to speak? Not necessarily bad or good, but um, uh, it seems like for a long time that was never even a consideration. You were at your console um, just by yourself, fighting orcs or whatever on your video game, but now you are actively talking to people or you're at least interacting with them somehow. Kind of one of the hallmarks of traditional addiction has been it slowly cuts you off from social things, but this now, by definition, you are in a social thing. Right. Um, how do you have to reconsider addiction maybe in that sense? It speaks to the idea of the question, are these friends, you know, people who are online? And they say, are these actual friends? 
And it's a very loaded term. I know you, I know you didn't use it, and I'm just throwing it out right. there. But I think it speaks to that idea of, is this actually being social? And I think the problem in that, or looking at it that way, is that uh, you have to, again, it comes down to definition again. The person who's involved with organizing a big event in a game, uh, whether it's taking down a monster or something like that, has to organize 30 different people in order to maximize this, minimize that. One person doesn't like being given orders, one person does, one, you know, whatever. Yeah. A whole mess of all of this stuff. These are a lot of things that people do in what's called first space or real world or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. That these are very much the stuff of what friendships are built upon. So along that line, and then also in terms of things becoming more connected, more social, not just in games, you look at Facebook or so, which has a tremendous number of people using it and increasing all the time. It's almost remarkable when somebody doesn't use it. You know, somebody's not on Facebook or something. So, hey, what are you, why aren't you on there? You know, wh wh where are you? You know, it has become part of the social fabric, all of these sorts of things, whether it's games or if right. it's these sorts of networking services. I think they're, they're almost blending at this point to some degree. Right. That nowadays, if you achieve something or other, it's probably tweeted and one or another. Does that create a problem? I mean, some, I'm thinking of uh, like alcohol addiction, for instance. Well, if you're an alcoholic, you do need to stop going to bars. Whereas, if you are, let's say, addicted to video games specifically, and you're on Facebook, well, there's Farmville and whatever uh, you want to play there as well. Little games, and like, I guess this ultra integration where you can't quite get away from it. Mm -hmm. It becomes, it's more than a question of what is it about it that's problematic. So let's take another example, somebody who's addicted to telephones. You're going to need to use the telephone. Right. Um, but what about it is problematic and how is using it problematic and all that? You know, you need to use a computer nowadays. If you don't, either setting yourself up for failure in one sense or just a very, very different lifestyle. Right. And to that degree, you know, I think there was some statistic that 90 5% plus of people have played video games at this point. So it's remarkable when somebody doesn't. So if you decide by whatever means that you are having a problem, that it's addictive, that, that you absolutely can't have it in your life, you have to realize that's a huge decision, not just in terms of stopping games. You're, you're also cutting off a lot of other things as well, social discourse in some ways. Let's talk about that for a moment. What can somebody do if they have a problem? What kind of treatment is available, what kind of things should they start thinking about? First would be to get a professional on board, to get, you know, if it's a question, to get a therapist involved. The way that I tend to look at these things is, again, about the sort of motivation. So, again, these ideas of identity, mastery, community, control, these are very different for any individual as to why a person might gravitate towards a game. So it's not like I could say, oh, well, just stop playing. You can't quite do that. You know, one person has to think about what is it that's drawing them to the games? What is it about the games that are problematic? You know, one person might be playing a game and avoiding dealing with anybody, not wanting to go out, not wanting to speak to people. They're, they're afraid of a lot of how to be social. So some aspect of the treatment would be about that, would be about how to be social and how to do that. Somebody else might feel uh, that they have no control over their lives. Their lives are falling apart uh, left, right, and center, and this is the only place that they feel like they have some level of control. So that would be a different aspect of addressing the treatment. So it's very different depending on the person, but the first step that I would suggest is to get somebody involved, a professional, who uh, might be able to start looking at these sorts of things.
In your work, what does the future look like for kind of what you're looking to research and what are you thinking about with video games going forward? You know, actually, I've I've uh, started to shift focus. My main interest is between health and technology nowadays, and it's not just about games. I'm, I'm starting to look at it more from a positive standpoint. Not that video games can't be positive. I think that they're, they're actually very good in terms of play and such, but more about productivity and uh, trying to figure out good ways to get to those things that you want to do and achieve goals in life using technology. So it's a shift away from video games. But at the same time, it's a way of trying to promote play in context of how one designs their technological world around them. Dr. Dini, thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate the opportunity. If you want to know more about Dr. Dini's work or how to buy his book online, just visit videogameplayandaddiction.com. You can also find this book in popular bookstores everywhere.